I don't know who that was, but thank you for that. I'll, I'll pay, oh, Grady, typical. <laughs> typical Grady. Um, I hope I still get cheers and a round of applause after I'm done this morning. Um, yeah, we'll see about that. Um, Indiana Wesleyan. Wildcats. Roar, yes. It's catching on. It is catching on. Uh, I think the last time I was up here, uh, I had like a stuffed giraffe or a stuffed elephant or something of that sort. Uh, my message today, or I guess my approach today is going to be a little different. Um, and I see I have about 22 minutes to go, so hopefully uh, 25. So hopefully I get to um, say something that is meaningful in those 25 minutes. Um, before I begin, I would like to say a short prayer. And it's a purposeful prayer. Uh, and hopefully it's a meaningful prayer as well. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but there are a number of us in the community who was hurt. And there are a lot of us around who feel like there's no hope, who feel as if their talents and their abilities have been overlooked. Um, there are those of us who, for one reason or another, walked into the semester not our fullest selves. And I recognize this, I'm aware of this, and I think sometimes it's pretty ingenuine to not address and acknowledge something that is open in our community. So I'd like to take the next few minutes just to say a short prayer for each and every one of us, whether you are a faculty member, administrator, staff, or student that is feeling a little hurt right now and is really looking for God to intervene in ways that only he can. Would you guys join me in prayer? God, Heavenly Father, my Lord and my God, we are so thankful for this opportunity you've given us to gather in your presence this morning. We're so honored and humbled to have you as God our Father, to have a tangible experience of Jesus as a way to live our lives. And Lord, I just pray that in seasons and moments where we're unsure, seasons and moments where it just feels like one thing after another thing after another thing is affecting our relationship with you and our relationship with others. Lord, I just pray for a divine intervention on our behalf, God. I pray for those who are hurt. I pray for those who feel as if they've been left behind. And especially I raise those up to you who are looking to you. Um, you know the deepest desires of their heart and they are looking for answers. And Lord, I just pray that you meet them at their point of need. And I pray that whatever um, is to come, that ultimately we'll be able to look back and glorify your holy name for all that you have indeed done for us. We thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. All these things we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you all. I'm mad. Whoa. 
I am mad. I'm upset. I'm angry. Can you guys tell? And you want to know who I'm mad at? I am mad at John Bray. I know. I know. I am upset at John Bray or Dr. Bray, as people may even call him. <laughs> so, I, I can't remember when it was. I think it was last semester, maybe. I got an email from John Bray saying, hey, Joel, would you like to say a message in chapel? And I'm like, all right, bet. I, I love talking in front of students. I love being able to share anything that I can. So I was like, absolutely, sign me up. Well, I should have asked what he wanted me to talk about. And what I learned along the way was that he wanted me to talk about a message that centers around God caring. He wanted me to talk about, essentially, the theme of God caring. And I'm like, that is actually a really hard sell right now. Like I said, there are members in our community who are hurting. How am I supposed to talk about God caring about their lives in the midst of such pain and hurt? As you guys know, I teach political science on campus. I also oversee the Office of Intercultural Learning and Engagement. And, and my job consists of hearing a lot of stories about people in our community who feel like they don't belong, who feel like they are maligned, who feel like somehow they've been outcasted. And yet, I am here standing in front of you, and I'm supposed to talk about how God cares. I think it's a hard sell. So, I mean, what I really wanted to do was, I was, I mean, I really was going to pull up on, 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 on John Bray, right? Okay, so the academic version of pull up is I was going to respond with a strongly worded email. <laughs> but I was going to, yeah, I was going to pull up and be like, Dr. Bray, how do you expect me to talk about this in such a season, in such a, in such a time? Can we please put up the first slide? In fact, I thought, I need to replace this God cares period with a God cares question mark because I think that's what a lot of us are thinking. Does God really care about our situation? Does God really care about us? Does God see here our deepest desires? So I almost responded with a strongly worded email. And then I thought better of it. I thought better of it not because I'm scared of John Bray. 
because I'm not. I thought better of it because I'm scared of Patty Bray. <laughs> yeah. Y'all know Miss Patty, right? Woo! She will tell you where to go with that strong worded email and still end up in heaven. I don't know how that works. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm not, I'm not gonna pull up on John Bray. Um, so I decided, you know what? I'm gonna actually think. And I'm going to observe, I'm, I'm, I'm going to think and I'm going to try and learn and better understand the ways that God cares. And as I reflected and I asked the Lord to help me truly understand this idea, um, in doing so, I reflected on a couple of things that I've learned over my last year here at Indiana Wesleyan University. Can we, can we please go to the next slide? As I was thinking about this idea of God caring, last year I met Mandy Simmons. Mandy Simmons is a student here at Indiana Wesleyan University. That may not be her name, that may not be her picture, but she's a student here. And Mandy Simmons has a story of being alone. And I don't mean this kind of like hypothetical, I feel lonely, but Mandy is alone. By most standards or definitions, we would consider Mandy uh, an orphan. Mandy has no mom, Mandy has no dad, Mandy has no grandparents, Mandy has no aunts, uncles, or siblings. She is here at Indiana Wesleyan University, literally with no family. And she's surrounded by people who she thinks have family. Mandy came to talk to me last year and was describing her experiences of just feeling as if she was by herself here at Indiana Wesleyan University. Oh, and to add one more element to Mandy's story, um, the reason Mandy is here alone is because all of her family members were killed in a country as she was fleeing to come here. And along the way, she was abused and raped. How am I supposed to tell Mandy that God cares? Can we go to the next slide, please? Meet Tyler McMurray. Tyler is also a student here at Indiana Wesleyan. That may not be his name, that may not be his picture, but he's here. Tyler's story is one of being misunderstood. People see Tyler and assume he's an athlete, but guess what? He's not. People see Tyler and just assume that he's from some kind of socioeconomic status. Well, he's not. People see Tyler and assume all sorts of things about him. And quite frankly, he's none of those things. He sat in my office last year, probably for about four hours, as we discussed why 
people in the community and outside want to put him in a certain box. He just wants to be understood for who he is. And he tells that story over and over again, but yet time and time again, there is a sense that people still want to put him in the box that they see him, not that he is in. How am I supposed to tell Tyler that God cares when he feels like he's in a community that doesn't really see him? Can we go to the next slide? Meet Natalie Dias. Also a student here at Indiana Wesleyan. Natalie's story is one of not being sure. Natalie is not sure what is going on. She sees everybody around her having opposite sex attraction, and she has same-sex attraction. Natalie is unsure whether she is messed up, whether she is headed to hell, and what God thinks about her. Natalie Dias is a student here at Indiana Wesleyan. How am I supposed to respond to Natalie and tell her that God cares. Well, I think I got the answer. And for the Natalie's, Tyler's, and others in this room, I want to offer some thoughts. I want to be careful when I say I want to offer thoughts because I obviously haven't figured it all out yet. Um, And as I'm learning and developing, I think that there's something that I'm getting more and more clarity on. And I would love to share some of those things with you. And I got clarity on this at church one Sunday evening. Um, And I've asked permission to see if I can recreate what I think my answer would be about God caring. And I was given permission by the pastor there. I think in order for us to understand the truth about God caring, There are three things along the way that we must have a grasp around. We need to understand what a eunuch is. I'll say it again. We need to understand what a eunuch is term or, I, or, or an idea that I'm guessing is probably unfamiliar with some of us in the room, so I'll share a little bit about what a eunuch is. We need to understand what distractions are, 
And we need to understand what distinctions are as well. All right, so I want you guys to track with me for one second. I'm going to carry this along so I make sure I don't speak incorrectly. So I'm no theologian. I don't, you know, I, I don't teach an STM. I don't have a fancy divinity degree. I don't know the ins and outs of scripture. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> anyway, but... Um, but I do have the ability to kind of research and make sense of things. And that's what I've done here. Now the term eunuch is contested. There are several definitions of, of the eunuch in scripture. And in fact, there are, there are places in scripture where they describe the differences between eunuchs. And I won't get into that discussion too much um, because it's a loaded one. But where I will land on is the idea of understanding that a eunuch, depending on, well, regardless of who they are or who scripture says, says them to be, a eunuch is a person that has an unequivocal selling out to God. In the Bible, there were three types of eunuchs. And as Jesus talks about marriage in Matthew 19, he introduces us to the three different types of eunuchs. And in fact, he says, for there are eunuchs who are born that way. There are eunuchs who are made that way by others. And there are eunuchs who intentionally choose to be a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. So eunuchs can be born that way, eunuchs can be made eunuchs by other people, and eunuchs can be people who intentionally choose to be a eunuch because of God. What I wanna focus on is the eunuch that intentionally chooses. What I want to focus on is the eunuch that intentionally chooses to pursue God and the ways in which they do it. Now, as you guys continue doing your research on eunuchs, again, I won't get too much into it, you will find out that eunuchs, some eunuchs were mutilated. And they were mutilated, their, their sexual organs were mutilated in order for them to be completely sold out to God. In order for them to be completely sold out to a ruler or a king. And there were some eunuchs, the record doesn't show whether they were mutilated or not, but there were some eunuchs who, regardless of that situation, they intentionally chose to refrain or abstain from some pleasure, desire, whatever it is, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. 
And that's what I want to talk about today. Why would anyone intentionally choose to forsake a desire when the world tells us we need to act on those desires? Although Jesus talks about marriage and singleness in Matthew 19, I don't just want to focus on that. I think it could be a metaphor for other things in life that maybe God is calling us to forego or forsake for his glory. You know, regardless of the type of eunuch we talk about, there is one thing that connects them all. Selling out to God. So, here's the part that I think may be a little um, challenging. Because it's challenging for me. And I'm sitting here looking at my beautiful wife and, and newborn Abigail, and I'm finding it even more challenging. But I'm just going to say it. And hopefully I have a job afterwards. Everything in life that we come across has the ability to be a distraction. I'm going to say this again. Everything that we come across in life has the ability to be a distraction. And again, this is a tough one for me because I'm looking at my wife and my baby and I'm like, how are they distractions in my life? Or how could they potentially be a distraction in my life? Well, a distraction is anything that has the potential to separate us from God. You guys don't believe me? Watch. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7. And I want to read something. And we'll start at verse 25, I think. And again, this is about singleness and marriage, but I think it can be applicable to other areas of our life. So I'm going to start with 1 Corinthians 7, 25 through 29, and then I'm going to move on from to verse 32 through 35. Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord God, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. This is the Apostle Paul talking. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. 
but those who marry will face many troubles in life. I'll say that again. Those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I, Apostle Paul, want to spare you this. I didn't say it. Verses 32 through 35. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. How he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about how the affairs of this world, about how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. People. What Apostle Paul is saying here is that even things that are good, like my beautiful wife and my cuddly, squishy baby, Abigail, even things that are good have the ability to be a distraction. Those of you in relationships, I'm sorry, your relationship has the potential to be, in a, to be a distraction. Those of you who go to school, everyone, your school has the potential to be a distraction. Those of you who have mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, guess what? All of your siblings and your family members have the potential to be a distraction. Those of you who have heterosexual um, romantic interests, those heterosexual romantic interests have the ability to be a distraction. Those of you with homosexual romantic interests, because you are in here. Those interests have the ability to be a distraction. I don't care what situation you are in. It has the potential to be a distraction. It has the potential to pull you away from God. So what's the answer? If everything I meet and everything I encounter is going to be a distraction, then what do I do? Where's the resolve? Where's the good news? Where's the gospel and all of that? Well, I have an idea. I think when we point our distractions to God, they stop being distractions and they become distinctions of God. Let me say that again. I think when we point our distractions towards God, they have the ability of turning from distractions into distinctions of God. People, this is why we say, 
Find a spouse that loves the Lord. This is why we say go to a school that preaches about the Lord. This is why we say surround yourself in a small group. This is why we say go find a church. By the way, chapel's not church. Find a church to go to. This is why we say all of those things. It's not to bemoan the idea of living in a Christian community. It's not to patronize you. It's not to bother you. It's because we are well aware that everything you encounter has the opportunity and potential to distract you. The reason why my wife is a good thing is because she is a potential distraction that points me to God. And because she points me to God, now my wife is a distinction of my faith. So what about the rest of you? The rest of you who are having difficulties thinking about your gender and thinking about your sexuality and thinking about how alone you are and thinking about whether, whether you know, God cares. What if we were to think about that a little differently? What if we were to think about our distractions? Right, like I said, whether, whether you have heterosexual romantic likes or homosexual romantic likes, either way, I mean, your hormones are popping either way, right? But I don't care whether you have either of those, they can be distractions. The key is, are you ensuring your distraction is pointing you to God? Because that's where I have concern. I'm not sure all of us intentionally take our distractions to God. And I think once we begin that process, once we begin that move, we have the ability to be transformed in ways that we fully even can't understand right now. Is it possible that every obstacle, challenge, situation where we are likely to think that God doesn't care? Could it actually be a situation where he is, he is showing us how much he does care? By making us completely, unequivocally sold out to him. So think about it. You who are alone, misunderstood, unsure, is it possible that God knows your story? Is it possible that God knows your story and he's weaving it together in ways that will make you rely on him more? If that's the case, how should we frame our outlook on those in our community who are unsure, who are saddened, who are alone, who feel misunderstood? How do we, how do we respond to them? Do we respond with judgments or the prototypical thoughts and prayers? Or do we see them 
as mighty and heroic sons and daughters of God who are fighting every distraction in their lives in order for them to be turned into distinctions. Trouble will come. The Lord says, trouble is on the way, regardless of who you are. And when it does come, when you are in these seasons of being unsure, when you are in these seasons of doubt, when you are in the seasons of just knowing whether God cares, can we please go to the next slide? God does care. But this is what I'll tell you. The things in your life, whether it's not having a family, whether it's being misunderstood, whether it's questions about gender or sexuality, whether it's questions about anything, those things in your life, or whether it's if you won um, a ball game, or whether it's if you got an A on a quiz or a test, or whether it's if, you know, some guy or some girl likes you back. I can tell you that God does care about those things. What I'm totally sure of without any doubt is that what God cares more about is your salvation. What he cares more about is you spending eternity with him. And I know I'm a little over, so please bear with me, but I think uh, um, the, the, the Martha and Mary story is a great way of thinking about distractions and what God wants from us. And I know a lot of you know this story, so I won't, I won't narrate it verbatim. But when Jesus arrived at the home of Mary and Martha, and Martha was scrambling trying to make the place serene and tidied up for Jesus, and Mary just sat at Jesus' feet. How did Jesus respond? He said, Mary has chosen the better thing. And that's what Jesus wants from us. He doesn't care if your house is junky. He doesn't care if you're concerned about your gender or your sexuality. He doesn't care if you feel alone. He doesn't, he does, he doesn't judge you off those things. What he wants is to spend time with you. Bring your distractions to God, and I guarantee you, he will turn those distractions into distinctions. We need to start looking at those in our community who are experiencing hurts and woes and have questions. We need to see them differently. They are heroic, and they're fighting battles so they can lean on God in ways that we who have it all figured out can't. Your distractions into distinctions. And remember, in seasons where you question whether God actually cares, He cares more about your salvation and you spending eternity with Him than anything else. <laughs>